0: Go to Jecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
2: You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett.
0: Talk of Champions. I've been Garrett at Spirit. Been on Twitter. No Bradley Sal today. If you listened on Tuesday, Brad is in Dallas. You're supposed to record last night. We're recording on this Thursday morning. Is me and Colin Brister. That was a terrible use of the English language, but that's what's happening. Colin and I are recording on this Thursday morning, but Brad and I were supposed to record on Wednesday night. I completely forgot and went and played poker <laughs> and lost a lot of money. So... Today, Colin is back with me. The guest stays the same. I talked to Riley Allen, almost basketball strength and conditioning coach, early on Wednesday morning, and he's coming up in just a little bit on the Modern Women phone line. But, Colin, thank you on short notice for filling in. How are you, man?
2: Good, man. Look, I, I, you know, we were talking before the show. It's like, you know, it's July when we were talking about, you know, what we're going to talk about and not being a lot of different things. But how nice does it feel compared to last July, you know? With, with actual things to talk about an actual, you know, known future for sports compared to what we were dealing with last July.
0: It is a nice change of pace. Cause this time last July, I just couldn't come up with anything. I think at that point, I was doing shows with Bo Wallace, who I love to death and who will be back on this podcast during football season. But we were doing, I think it was uh, rewatches of the 2014 Ole Miss Alabama I- game. I mean, at that point, there was just nothing on the horizon. Maybe I think baseball was coming back at some point, and you had basketball in the bubble. But as far as football was concerned, a lot of unknowns in July, I don't think really knew anything until late, late this month. So now, knowing what's coming is definitely a good change of pace. It's exactly what we wanted. It's really funny, though, this Thursday morning has been such an adventure for me. And and I don't have any problems sharing this with anybody. Look, I'm pretty much an open book on this podcast, but I deal with panic attacks and I deal with mental health issues all the time. And this morning (laughs) I take medicine and I didn't take my medicine yesterday. This morning I woke up and I'd forgotten that my wife and kids were going to Memphis shopping. I woke up alone and I just like start freaking out, freaking out. Oh, God. Oh, my God. And the last time I had this kind of a panic attack, because I've been good about controlling it, suppressing it, I think I called three people. I called my buddy Drew. I called Emily, but she didn't answer because they were on the road. So then I'm like, oh, my God, what's happened? What's happened to Emily and the kids? And then I called Chase Parham, and Chase kind of calmed me down. He's like, Ben, breathe. Drew told me to do some push-ups. But the last time... (laughs) I took my medicine for all those that might be like, all right, Ben, take your medicine. I did, but it takes a little while for you to, to circulate in the bloodstream or whatever. The last time I had a panic attack like this was back in 2006. My family, well, not just my family. It was me, my dad, and my brothers, my two brothers. We went to the Super Bowl in Miami. because My dad's one of those old Miss guys that, yeah, yeah, he loved Eli, but he loved Peyton, right? It's that weird dynamic that Peyton was the one that got away, the prodigal son that got away, that was supposed to lead Ole Miss out of the doldrums, out of the ugly years of Billy Brewer and probation, and put Ole Miss back on the map, and then he went to Tennessee. So while he should be celebrating Eli and going to Eli's Super Bowls, we went to Peyton's Super Bowls. So we went <laughs> to the Miami Super Bowl between um, the Colts and, was it the Bears? Yeah, I think it was the Bears. Yeah, the Bears. And um, the best part of it for me, because I'm a Cowboys fan, you all know this, is I got to actually watch live Prince, God rest his soul, play Purple Rain in the freaking rain. So that was the highlight for me. My dad and all then they celebrated Peyton winning a Super Bowl. I didn't care. I could not have cared less. But going down there, we're in this little bitty plane, and I'm claustrophobic on top of being this mental head case as far as panic attacks and stuff. And um, we get in this little plane to Miami, and it's one of those deals where it's like a two-seater on each side. And there wasn't yeah. anybody in the plane. And I'm, I don't even think I'm 18 at this point. Maybe I'm 18. I can't remember. So we're sitting on the plane. I'm underage is what I'm getting at. We're on the plane. The door closes. I start freaking out, Colin. Just freaking out. Like, oh my God, get me out of here, man. And my dad, being my dad, turns around and goes, just put some cold air on your face. Let it blow on your face. Well, that didn't work. Control your breathing. Thanks, Dad. Never thought about that one before. And he's like, okay. <laughs> just go to the back of the plane. Kind of stretch out, whatever. I went, okay, fine. So I go back there. Nothing is helping. And the stewardess, God bless her, walks up to me and says, what can I do to help you? And I said, beer. She didn't ask me my age. And look, everybody that knows me, I still got a baby face. I still get carded for everything. All right? I'm 35 years old, still getting carded for everything because of the baby face. Didn't even ask me how old I was. I just said, beer. She goes and gets me three Miller Lights and sits them right in front of me. I pounded them. Complete silence the whole flight down to Miami. My uh, brother... Steven and, and my brother, Daniel and my dad, they all get off the plane early. You know, they're way in front of me. I'm the last one off the plane. Cause I was at the very back of the plane. I get off. My dad's like smiles. Like, Hey man. So my advice, it works. You know, I did good at like a good parenting job here. I went, no, I'm just drunk. He went, wait, what? I went, yeah. The stewardess just kept giving me beers. I mean, I would crunch a beer after chugging it and put it down and she would just grab it and replace it with a new one. It was wonderful. He's like, oh, so I didn't, I didn't do a good parenting job, just my underage son got drunk. Yes. God bless Southwest. Yes. That's exactly what happened. So that's been my morning. That's been my Thursday morning. Brad and I should have recorded Wednesday night. I played poker. Of course I lost because I'm terrible at poker. And then I woke up this morning having not taken my medication and having a panic attack. So, wow. This is a July where nothing is going on sports-wise. we got sports coming. But here I am on July whatever, 8th. Omaha sports is still weeks away. We're supposed to be taking a breather because if we don't do it now, when are we going to do it? And I'm having a panic attack. That's just hey. the most Ben Garrett thing ever.
2: At least the Braves won yesterday. That's all I got.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you. That doesn't help either. That's one thing that I've talked about before. See, sports are supposed to be just escapism. Right. You're not supposed to throw yourself or project real problems on the sports, but that's what we do. as human nature. Yeah, And the Braves being the most frustrating Braves team that I've ever experienced. Because back when they were rebuilding, you knew what they were doing. So the losing didn't matter to you so much. You were watching for particular players, their development and stuff like that. It's just the results, no big deal. This team was supposed to be good. And you think about how miserable it has actually been. They haven't been a game over 500 all year, not to mention all the off the field stuff like Marcelo Zuna, the piece of crap that he is what he's doing right now. Mike Soroka goes down again with a second torn Achilles. It's just been constant misery. Even the wins have not been fun. The bullpen has been atrocious. It's and been it's so bad. And they still,
2: all, yeah. all that considered, yeah. they're four and a half out.
0: Four and a half out. I think, honest to God, I said this to my brother yesterday. I was like, look, if they would just re-sign Freddie Freeman right now, right now, announce that he's going to be back next year, long-term extension, he's going to retire as a Brave, wouldn't have to do anything at the trade deadline. Just play out the string, not make the playoffs, whatever. I think a lot of people would just be okay. They'd be happy. They'd be fine. But that, yeah. on top of everything else, is really what's just sunk the fandom of many of us. And, and I've been on the precipice of saying, I'm done. I'm done. Because I've had this tag on the front of my truck, this Braves tag, for years. It was, it's gone from my Pathfinder to my next car to now my truck. And I took it off the other day, and I put a Cowboys tag out front. Like, that's going to make it any better. Like, they're not going to disappoint me like they have for the last 20-plus years. I mean, my God, what am I doing? What am I doing? I think
2: think the Braves have a run in them. Maybe I'm crazy, but the the division's not overly great right now. I think the Braves have a run in them to make it at least interesting in September.
0: Well, Ronald Acuna is having an MVP-type season, so thank you for that. You're really just trying to lift my spirits this morning. But I'm calmed (laughs) down. The (laughs) push-ups helped. Talking to my wife helped. Making sure they were okay helped. But, boy... What an adventure of a morning this morning has been for Ben Garrett. I know you didn't expect to tune into the talk of champions to hear about someone who deals with mental health stuff, but Hey, look, this, this is what I love about where we are now as a society in 2021. A lot of stuff is broken. A lot of stuff is just absolutely awful. Tune into the news and pretty much all of it's terrible. At least we can all be open and honest about, you know, mental health stuff. I'm not embarrassed. There's no stigma to it anymore. Whatever. I have panic attacks. Well, now, you know, Now you know, <laughs> Because I was going to come on here here and talk about a few things and roll into Riley Allen and be done. And now we're eight minutes in and you just know all about my panic attacks. But hey, you do know this too. My dad is like a lot of you Ole Miss fans out there. And I know who you are. I've met many of you. Why is it that you celebrate Peyton and just underappreciate Eli? I just don't get it. Eli is the one that did exactly what you wanted Peyton to do. I don't understand it. I never will. But I got to see Prince play Purple Rain in the rain. It's a nice little memory for me. Here's what I really wanted to touch on. Oh, if you haven't already subscribed, rate, review, talk of Champions and iTunes. Like, how can I do this now? After that, uh, I'm going to try. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review, talk of Champions and iTunes, and when you do, leave a five-star review. Ben, that was nuts this morning. That's fine. Leave that as the review. Just make it five stars, okay? We're found wherever you get your podcast. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Spotify, Stitcher. Google Chrome Podcast, Amazon Music, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcast, we're there. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, OMSpirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. I was going to talk about this with Brad, so I'll talk about it with you. I'm going to talk about rankings today, preseason rankings. Okay. Before we jump into a few things, because I got some issues with a few rankings that have come out recently. What do you think of preseason rankings, and should we put any stock into them? Um, So. So, all right, let let, me put it this way as
2: someone that doesn't follow college football from a, like every day of their life perspective, I do take some value in it and, and like learning about, you know, is, I don't know, Northwestern going to be good this year. Um, is maybe Utah or from that type of perspective, look, I know who one through five is going to be, but I do think there's something that from, for a guy like me, that doesn't f- you know follow the pac 12 or the big 10 uh, or maybe the ACC that I know like, Hey, which teams out of those leagues uh, have the pieces to make a run this year. So I, I don't, I'm not going to say they're worthless or meaningless, but I, I, I don't think they mean anything in the grand scope of thing, but I, I do think they let a guy like me know what teams that might not be on the national radar, have a chance to make a run or have a good year this year.
0: code toc for talk of champions to save 10 percent on apparel bxg a proud sponsor of the talk of champions podcast network the sun's a shining in oxford mississippi cookouts in the grove beer showers it's just the very best time for an old miss rebel to get out and get going carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with fee video lock never has home security been so easy Ufi Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver. So ditch those house keys forever and give Ufi Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Ufi Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead. Have your home fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. That's fair because that's what it's like to me. I just look at Preseason rankings for players, for teams, for coaches, basically to familiarize myself with other teams that I otherwise wouldn't ever know anything about. Sure. And that includes in the SEC because I'm so insulated with Ole Miss. All I do is cover Ole Miss. Last year, I think I watched two games, two. The National Championship and some game, I think it was an LSU game, I can't remember. It was, a, it was the, one of the better games um, regular season games of the season. I don't remember which game it was, but I watched two games that were non Ole Miss games two, And that is very much out of the ordinary for the typical college football person. But I'm just so inundated every single day with Ole Miss stuff that I, I just avoid it, right? So going into the year, yeah. I get sent from my buddy Brandon Marcello. We're doing these 247 preseason predictions and rankings. Mm-hmm. I rank the... SEC teams pick the player of the year, all that stuff. Well, I don't know any of this stuff. <laughs> so I got to go look at the rankings and know who the players are. Why is Alabama, for my brain, ranked first or second when they lost so much? Oh yeah, because it's Alabama and they just retool. But who are the people? Who are the right. people they're going to be relying on? There's no Najee Harris anymore, right? There's no Mac Jones anymore. There's no, you name it, Devontae Smith. Who pick yeah. a player, right? So I have to go look and see who these people are um, just to make sure that I'm not completely stupid. Now, if you ask me Ole Miss stuff, I can tell you about like the third team long snapper for Christ's sake. But when it comes to Alabama or whoever, no. And now if you try to ask me about USC or, I don't know, Cal, (laughs) Oregon, I got nothing. Absolutely nothing. But I was looking at some rankings earlier this week because I knew I wanted to talk about rankings. And I first looked at CBS Sports, which owns 247, ranked the 14 SEC head coaches. Now, obviously, number one is who? Nick Saban, right? Sure. Who do you think number two was? Uh, I would guess Jimbo. Which doesn't make any sense to me, it was. Which doesn't make any sense to me. And that's why I first had my number one issue before I got down to the real issue that we're about okay, to touch on. Okay, well,
2: who, who would you have to?
0: Kirby. I, the, the
2: guys won a national title, though.
0: Yeah, maybe Dan Mullen. But the thing is, I don't, I'm i not very high on Jimbo. I never have been. Okay, And the reason why is he's not Gene Chiswick. I'm not saying that. He's not. He's a much better head coach than Gene Chiswick. He will always be winning at a high enough level to where everyone will respect him. But look, lightning in a bottle with Jameis, they won. But when his great offensive line left, he tanked and got out. He knew when to get yep. out before the bottom fell out. Those were his teams, and it's not like he's elevated Texas A&M since he's gotten there. Yes, they've been competitive, they've been good, but everyone thought that Jimbo getting there would elevate Texas A&M to being the every year number two contender to push Alabama, and it hasn't been that. And he had a tenured head coach. I mean, excuse me, he had a tenured quarterback in Kellen Mond, and didn't do anything of really note to contend with Alabama. So putting Jimbo number two, I get it, but I think if you don't provide the context of what Jimbo's career has been, you can take issue with it. Anyway, number three was Kirby. Look, I get the gripes with Kirby. I do. Number four, Dan Mullen. I would have ranked Dan two or three. I just think very highly of Dan. Number five was Ed Orgeron. He's still riding the national championship. Fine, fine, fine. But let's not all pretend that Ed Orgeron isn't going to just, plummet down those rankings.
2: No, he actually is Gene Chizik, so.
0: Yeah. That's fair. Mark Stoops being sixth, I'm totally fine with. I'm fine yeah, I'm with there. Cuz Mark Stoops you make Kentucky an every year competent football program. You're doing pretty damn good work. But then here's where it gets a little nuts. Brian Harrison, number 7.
2: Oh. How? How? He won he wanted a program at Arkansas State that always wins, and then he went to Boise at a program that always wins and won. Like, I mean, I, he may be an, an excellent football coach, um, but he didn't even have the success that Peterson had at Boise.
0: Yeah, and he hasn't uh, done anything in this league. And when Lane no. and Mike Leach got hired, they didn't get that kind of love. So it just tells me that there's this bias with even an Auburn, which is second-rate to Alabama. No disrespect to Auburn, it's just true. You're the number two school in your state. And yet, Brian Harrison's ranked above number eight, Lane Kiffin. Look, say what you want to about Lane Kiffin in his past. A lot of that crap is overblown. But to go five and five in a 10 game All SEC schedule, to beat number 11, Indiana pretty handily, honestly, even though the game was quote close, almost controlled that game from sure. the first whistle to the last one, to rank him eighth behind Brian Harrison, whenever there's a new coach that comes into the league, especially one that has not done anything in the league prior. You cannot justifiably rank them higher than a Lane Kiffin who has some success, a Mike Leach who had not great success, but some success. And then Eli Drinkwich is 10. Sam Pittman is 11. Josh Heupel is 12. That's fine. Chris Lay is 13. And 14 is Shane Beamer. That's fine. The final three being Heupel, Lay, Beamer, you can rank them any way you want to. Those should be the bottom three. But Brian Harrison should be 11th. Yeah. Sam yeah. Pittman should be 10th. Eli which should be 9th. And Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin, you can have the debate there if you want to based on past success. But I would rank Lane Kiffin in the top five right now. What are we judging it on? What are we judging it on? Are we judging on what they've done? Are we judging on what they've done and what they could be, what they could do, what the preseason rankings are? What all is the criteria here? And that's what I don't understand with rankings. See, because all the common or regular SEC fan or college football fan in general is going to do when they open up rankings is just look at the rankings. They don't consider what all goes into it. So I want to know what all goes into it. Because I can make a case that Lane Kiffin should be no lower than sixth. If you want to put Mark Stoops 5, okay. Yeah. But Ed Orgeron is only ranked ahead of Lane Kiffin because of a national championship. Now, that's a big because. A national championship is a national championship. So I get yeah. it, but Lane Kiffin, as far as the SEC head coaches, you could not tell me the fan in Oregon or the fan in New York. Are there college football fans in New York? Okay, how about Probably this? Not. The fan in Chicago, the fan in Nebraska. Name me three SEC head coaches, just three. Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher, or Dan Mullen, whoever. But Lane Kiffin's going to be one of the first ones they mentioned.
2: Yeah, um, it's. I, I think anyone that has any, you know, common sense, if you said, hey, you get to pick a human being to lead your program, uh, you get Lane Kiffin or Ed Orgeron. I don't really think there's much debate. <laughs> not a debate, <laughs> you know. So, um, and and I don't think that I like if you ask me, hey, you get Mark Stoops or Lane Kiffin to lead, lead your football program. I'm, I'm taking Lane, but I'm not necessarily faulting the guy that that takes Mark Stoops. Um, but yeah, like, like Brian Horson, like, what, what are we discussing? What are we, doing? What are we yeah, doing? at that point. Um, so yeah, I think sixth is, is where I'd have him and, and I would have, you know, Mark Stoops fifth, I believe. Um, well
0: in a culture yeah, but- that is completely conspiratorial across the board, not just in sports, <laughs> I usually don't buy into too much, but it's getting really hard not to believe that there's a little bit of anti Ole Miss bias out there for whoever does rankings or anything. If Wayne Kiffin was the head coach at, I don't know. LSU, Florida, Auburn, Auburn. If LSU or Auburn had hired Lane Kiffin, had Arkansas hired Lane Kiffin, do you really think he'd be eighth in a ranking by CBS sports? Honestly? No, 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 no. No. And I've never really bought into that, but the more and more things that have happened over the last couple of years, I can't really deny him anymore. It's kind of hard, right? Yeah. I'm not
2: necessarily the guy that thinks that the SEC office is out to get Ole Miss. Um, and and some people do, and that and that's fine. Um, but but there's some media out there that like you, you tell me, yeah. There's the anti Ole Miss slant. Uh, I don't, I I don't have much question about that.
0: I buy it. I buy it. I buy it. Yeah. Which brings me to the next place as far as rankings are concerned. Phil Steele released his top 25. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma was number one. Spencer Rattler. I get it. Lincoln Riley. Oklahoma returns a lot. Oklahoma always is going to let you down at the end of the year. If you think yep. Oklahoma's going to win a national championship, that's on you. They're going to let you down. Alabama was number two. So it is. Alabama's always number two. Where do you think Ole Miss landed?
2: Uh, I would hope 17 to 18.
0: Not even ranked. Okay. Wow. See, and that, again, goes back to what we just talked about. Do I really think that there's – a collective effort to conspiratorially devalue Ole Miss football? No, but individually, like in the case of Phil Still, how can you rank Ole Miss not in the top 25 when they've got the best returning quarterback in the SEC, undoubtedly, in Matt Corral, yep. Lane Kiffin, being so successful they were in every single game they played last year even when matt Corral was throwing interceptions they could have won pretty much every single game they played
2: they had the ball uh down six in two games that be threw six picks like that's insane
0: <laughs> and yet you don't have him and ole miss in the top 25 number three is ohio state okay fine Clemson, number four. A lot of this is based on what they've been and how they always end up in these places. Sure. I get it. It's fine. George is fifth. Okay. Texas A&M is sixth. How can you rank Texas A&M sixth? I know they return a lot, but if they're sixth, Ole Miss can't be 15th, 16th, 17th? <laughs> I mean, what what are you doing? Kellen Mond is not a part of Texas A&M, Texas A&M anymore. Here's the one that's interesting. Bernard? Say that again. Is, is, Aub- is Auburn ranked? Let's look. Hold on. Notre Dame is seventh. Iowa State is eighth. Washington is ninth. Cincinnati is 10th. Wisconsin is <laughs> 11th. North Carolina is 12th. Oh, look. There's all this love for Sam Howell. Oh, stop, Ben. Don't do it. 13th is USC. If you're valuing USC <laughs> under Clay Helton, again, a lot like Oklahoma. You're doomed to be disappointed. Penn State 14th, Utah 15th, Miami is 16th.
2: What?
0: Yeah. LSU is 17th.
2: I can understand that more than Miami.
0: The Tigers, Phil still says, talking about LSU, are number eight in my power poll and figure to get a stock market type of bounce after going 15-0 to 5-5 last year. Ranked as high, this is from 247, as number eight by CBS Sports to open, LSU had a tough 2020 from opt-outs to a slew of star players and coaches gone to new opportunities, but a strong finish to the season, plus some encouraging staff changes made by Coach Ed Orgeron and sees LSU ranked in the top 20. Okay, so we're not putting any stock into Lane Kiffin returning pretty much his entire staff. There were some changes, excuse me. There were some real changes. But the guys that are the most notable names, Jeff Lebby, DJ Durkin, adding Randall Joyner, and other guys like that, it's not like they... Fell backwards as far as staff. If anything, he improved his staff. John David Baker at tight end. You can keep going down the list in this way.
2: Is LSU even going to have a football team?
0: (laughs) With 19 starters returning, Ordron believes this year's team has what it takes to make the Alabama game meaningful again in November. Of course, what else is he going to say?
2: I'm sure he does. He's going to get beat by 14 over there in Tuscaloosa in a game that's not that close.
0: But you mean to tell me? Because at the end of the day, what, what do we know about college football? Quarterbacks rule. Period. Yep. So if quarterbacks rule, Miles Brennan or Matt Corral? Yeah, Matt Corral. What, what are we doing? What are we doing? Do you trust the staff changes of Ed Orgeron and LSU over Lane Kiffin, an established offensive coordinator, and a rising star in Jeff Lebby and Matt Corral? It just makes no sense. Indiana's 18th. Okay. Oregon, 19th. Texas is 20th. Texas. Here we go with Texas again. Why? Because you love Steve Sarkisian, and it's Texas. 21, yeah. Arizona State. 22 is Louisiana. Those raging Cajuns. 23 <laughs> is Iowa. 24 is Coastal Carolina. And 25 is TCU. How?
2: <sighs> Louisiana. That's a, that's, that's a that, ranking. Yeah, that's something right there. Goodness.
0: So what does Phil think Ole Miss is going to do? That's, what that's is the a floor? very good question. What is the floor? Because Brad and I have talked about this. In your opinion, what is the floor for Ole Miss football? I do think that the floor, okay, because I think that there is the possibility that Ole Miss disappoints, but okay, a lot has to go wrong. I I think their floor is, like you said, 6-6, and but if something went terribly wrong, yeah, they could only win five games, but I just don't think that's going to happen because I don't think Lane Kiffin teams can do that anymore. Not when you have this kind of returning offensive talent, even without Elijah Moore.
2: I mean, worst case is what three and one and non con you drop a game to Louisville or God forbid Liberty. Don't say, it. um, no, I'm I praying to God that doesn't happen. And then, I mean, you're, you're even worst case scenario. You're, you're, going to beat Vanderbilt. So there's a fourth win and I don't think they go, uh, worse than one and six in the other seven games. Um, I really don't think they go worse than two and five. So yeah, I, I think six is the floor. And, and I think that, you know, I, I expect more than that, obviously. I, I do think uh, six wins if Matt Corral stays healthy is is, is the floor for this team.
0: Going to jump right back to Colin Brister with Riley Allen, almost basketball strength and conditioning coach, coming up on the Modern Women phone line after I'll tell you briefly about Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Finally, at long last, Oxford is getting back to normal. The sun is shining. Those dreary winter months, they're behind us. Better yet... You actually get to experience Ole Miss Athletics events in person. What a world! What better way to get there than in a new car, truck, or Jeep? The only place to go for your next vehicle is Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. They'll take care of you. And I know, because I've bought a car there myself. And the experience was too easy. Seamless, even. Their only goal is to get you in the vehicle you've always wanted at a good price. So reach out today. Don't wait. Give them a call. 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. Or stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's 2201 East University Avenue, just past Kroger. Alan Samuels, of Nod Sheep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. Look at the schedule. You open with Louisville. Sure. You should win that game, but it's losable. Yeah. Okay, that's a toss-up. Let's just call it a toss-up because we don't know okay. exactly what Ole Miss is going to look like, what it's going to be. Austin Pay, you're going to win that game. Yep. Tulane, you're going to win that game. At Alabama, we don't know what Alabama is going to be, but we assume Alabama is going to be good. Toss-up, probably a loss. I would yeah. put it as a loss because Ole Miss just historically doesn't win in Tuscaloosa. It doesn't. Yeah, I'm going loss. Loss. Arkansas at home. Arkansas has been a nightmare team for Ole Miss to face recently. It doesn't matter if Arkansas is terrible. Ole Miss finds a way to lose to Arkansas. But let's just pretend, or for the sake of argument, say, that this is the year that Ole Miss, being the better team, just wins the game it's supposed to. They beat Arkansas. Okay. At Tennessee. Does Tennessee scare you under Josh Heupel? No.
2: No, not really. Not this year especially.
0: LSU at home.
2: I'm All right. So, I, I have a weird thing. Um. Everyone always does the Ole Miss plays LSU close thing, um, and, and they somewhat do, but they always lose. So until proven otherwise, I'm just going to put loss by LSU.
0: Which is fine. Which is fine. So toss-up loss. There's two losses. At Auburn. That
2: one's interesting. That 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 feels like the swing game for
0: me. Exactly right. Took the words out of my mouth. That's the swing game. But again that- – if you value Lane Kiffin and Matt Corral higher than Brian Harson and Bo Nix, it's on yeah. the road. It's never easy. But if Matt Corral, think about it this way. Outside of two games, he threw three interceptions last year. Now, you can't do it like that because the games sure. are what they are. The numbers are what they are. But if he protects the ball better, even on his worst days, they had the ball twice in his worst games to go win the game. So it's not like he doesn't have to throw six. He doesn't have to throw four. I mean, if he throws three interceptions in a game, they still are going (laughs) to score a lot of points. Yeah. Elijah Moore was a generational talent, but Lane Kiffin knows how to maximize what he has. That's what he's always been. So losing Elijah Moore is a big deal. It is a big deal, but there's a reason why Elijah Moore was breaking records because why Lane Kiffin identified him as a generational talent. He said, when he got on campus, When he was hired, he pulled Elijah Moore aside and said, said, be ready to break some records. Because he knew he was the best offensive weapon that he had. So he force-fed Elijah Moore. He schemed him open. Well, not having him anymore, it's not like he's going to try to run the exact same offense. His offense is adaptable. That is what Lane Kiffin has always been.
2: So what you're saying is Jerron Ealy's about to get the ball a lot.
0: Yes, he's going to be in the slot. John Rice Plum is going to line up like friggin'. Percy Harvin. Do I think he's Percy Harvin? No, that's not what I'm saying. But he's going to line him up like that. He's going to do whatever he can to get the ball in the hands of the guys that are the true playmakers. And Jerion Ailey is the one, I think, with the most potential to have an uptick, not only in targets in the passing game, but more rushing touches as well. So it's the idea that Okay, you lost a lot. It's the stupid thing that the media does. They look at your returning roster. They look at what you lost. and They say, okay, well, they can't replace that guy with any but one person. Well, he was never going to replace Elijah Moore with any one person. The offense is going to look a little bit different. It is. But it's, the idea that they're not going to replace the production with multiple guys, no one guy's ever going to replace him. But there's a reason why they keep accumulating talent at wide receiver.
2: Yeah, it's and I hate to bring up college baseball right now, but it was kind of like when when Elko went down. It's like nobody's just going to come in and hit 400 like he is. Yeah, but you replaced him with you know three guys that that upped their production. It's kind of the same way in football.
0: Yeah, speaking of, I wrote a story about Tim Elko, an update after sur- surgery. The MLB draft is coming up. His return or non-return is completely dependent on the MLB draft, and it's coming up on July 11th. It's a 20-round MLB draft. He's gotten projections or he's gotten feedback of as early as the fourth round to as late as the 12th. So it depends on whether they pay him the money he thinks is sufficient or whether or not he returns. So if you want to go read about that, check out the old Miss Spirit, of 247 Sports. All right, finishing this out, Liberty at home. God dang it, you got to beat Liberty. Just I don't even want to do I don't, do don't want to talk about it.
2: Yeah, I don't live in a world where that's a loss.
0: Uh, so. Texas saying them at home.
2: That's probably a loss.
0: I don't. I don't say probably. We don't know what Texas a is going to be. I've got him going eight and four, I think. Okay, fine. But does Jimbo, in his past track record, do anything to inspire confidence that you can just assume a loss for Ole Miss? There, that's what I'm no. getting at with these rankings.
2: Yeah, no, you're you're completely right. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how other. – they're breaking in a new quarterback. I guess the only advantage for A&M there is it's towards the end of the year and yes. he'll have some experience. But, yeah, I, I mean, no, I, I think it's probably a loss just because I think A&M at this point in their program is a little bit more talented than Ole Miss. Um, but it, you, it, I would not be shocked at all if, if Ole Miss were to win that football game.
0: Well, going into last year, Matt Corral was the quarterback. He was an unknown, and he produced at a record-breaking sure. level. So – you got Matt Corral coming back. He wasn't a known commodity back then. Now he's the number one returning quarterback in the SEC. You're putting more stock into Jimbo developing a quarterback than Lane Kiffin and Jeff Levy?
2: Well, it's some of that, and, and it's some of, I mean. It, but it's some of, like, Matt stuff.
0: Corral's not going to improve? That's just he is what yeah. he is? That's insane.
2: Yeah, but, I mean, in complete fairness, um, with a and like, it, I, I think you have to consider more than just Matt Corral. Like The, the defenses are what they are, too.
0: We don't know what Ole Miss is going to be defensively. And losing Jacquez Jones does matter. It matters. Let's not pretend and whitewash away that 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 doesn't matter. It it matters. It matters. Vanderbilt at home, you're going to win. And then Mississippi State, look, the Egg Bowl is always a toss-up. But the point being is the idea that in the preseason – if you're just looking at returning rosters and returning production, you don't put the number one returning quarterback and a coach that everybody believes <laughs> is one of the best offensive minds in all of college football. They say it in every interview they do. Okay, but now you're not going to rank them in the top 25. You're going to choose LSU and Ed Orgeron and Miles Brennan at number 17. Like That's fine if you want to like rank LSU because of the returning talent. That's fine. But you don't leave Ole Miss out at the expense of... Of Louisiana and Louisiana. Coastal Carolina. I mean, this is insane. Like, what? What are we even doing here? And the last one, and this is my favorite one because I have a lot of respect. I really do for Pro Football Focus. I read their stuff all the time. They ranked the top fifty players returning in college football. Number one, Spencer Rattler. Okay, cool.
2: I disagree, but I do I, too. I would say, but I I'd get it. it, North Carolina.
0: I, I get it though. I get it. A lot of people believe going into the year, Spencer Rattler is the prohibitive favorite to be the top quarterback in the country and to be the number one overall selection in next year's draft. Fine. Now, I don't agree with it because I believe the best returning player in all of college football is Derek Stingley Jr., who's number two. Whatever. But then I keep going down the list. You got your first quarterback. Your second quarterback comes in at number... Forgive me, I'm doing this as we record. Sam Howell, number 12. Okay, Oof. fine. Fine. Next quarterback way comes in. I don't love Sam Howell. Like, what's the love? What's the oh, infatuation? Do. Why? Man, I don't wa- I Granted, I don't watch a lot of North Carolina. I've watched very little, if none, of North Carolina. And I still have my Phil Longo. I don't want to call it hatred, but just <laughs> not a big Phil Longo fan. He's done good work. I'm just never going to forgive him for the lack of success. of Okay. <laughs> Fair so enough. what's what what's the love affair with Sam Howell? Um,
2: I mean, big time arm, extremely mobile. Um, he's I, I've seen him make every throw. Um, you he, just he, described he Matt willed, Corral. I I agree, but I think Matt Corral's really good too. Um, I mean, he willed the, that team to an Orange Bowl last year. So
0: okay, uh, I, I'm I'm a big Sam Howell fan. Okay, the next quarterback, twenty three, Derek King. I like King, but he's not better than Matt. You might be wondering, where's Matt Corral? We're getting there. Trust me. Looking for the next quarterback after De'Aaron King. Hmm. A lot of edge guys, a lot of centers, more edge guys. Quarterbacks, linebackers, safeties. We're in the 40s now. Uh, 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 uh. And now at 48, we've got an offensive lineman, a cornerback, and a safety. <laughs> what has happened?
3: The He's top 50
0: there. returning players, and Matt Corral isn't there. <laughs> we go back to the original conversation we were having. I don't believe in conspiracies. Matt Corral isn't a top 50 player returning in college football. You have three quarterbacks, three, and you put De'Aaron King at 23? Based on what?
2: He's the best quarterback in the SEC returning, and De'Aaron King's coming back off a torn ACL. Um, The best quarterback
0: returning in the SEC (laughs) isn't a top 50 returning player in college football. If Matt Corral played for Alabama, LSU, doesn't matter, where the hell do you think he'd be ranked?
2: Yeah, like six.
0: (laughs) At at the lowest, 15th. At the lowest. But no, let's not pretend that he'd be that low. He'd be a top 10 player. Yeah. It's because it's Ole Miss. I love that, though. I've said this before, and I mean it. If you're an Ole Miss fan, you should love this because it makes it way more fun when Ole Miss, if it does what we think it does, Find success, wins seven to ten games, wins a bowl game, puts up huge stats, and Matt Crowell's the top two-round pick. It makes it way more fun because you yeah. get to be the bad guy. Embrace being the bad guy. It's fun to be the bad guy. If everyone is going to devalue you, if everyone's going to say, well, it's old Miss, and it's always this way, screw it. Embrace it. Being the bad guy is fun. If they want to put you into a particular role – At some point, you just accept the role and you roll with it, right? Yeah, I'm fine with that. Just be the Oakland Raiders or now the Las Vegas Raiders. That's what they used to do. (laughs) Just embrace being the bad guy. Lane Kiffin is the perfect head coach for this because Lane Kiffin, he takes shots at other coaches that no other coaches do. He has fun with it. He trolls. He's the perfect coach for a team like this that's going to have a gigantic chip on their shoulder. And I hate that. It's cliche. I get it. But come on. I know these are only three rankings, but it couldn't be more obvious that national media types, being the hive-minded group that they are, they're devaluing Ole Miss going into the year. Preseason rankings are junk. Because honestly, if you were doing it based on just simply returning talent, what teams could be, past production, past numbers, all that stuff, if that's what you were basing it on, there's just nothing you can justify it with to leave Ole Miss off of any of these rankings. But here we are. Oh Miss again the, getting The 5-5 five
2: five team that upset number 11, Indiana, <laughs> some, somehow isn't ranked. That's,
0: but Indiana's back in the top 25.
2: Yeah, it's big stuff. Big
0: stuff. Oh, this has been a very interesting edition of Talk of Champions. July 8th is not supposed to be this intense. It's not. But this morning, your friend Ben just had an experience. I uh, had an experience. So, thanks for filling in, man. I enjoyed it. Okay, here you go. I asked this to Brad. I asked this to you. All right, what are you most looking out for? It's Thursday for the next couple of days in Ole Miss sports. Is it the MLB draft? Ooh. Is it well, what is the most yeah, Ole Miss yeah, well, story for, to be watching? For me,
2: it's for me it's the draft. Um, what is you know where does Jackson Joe go? Um, I'll ask you this. I mean, it, you because you know more than I do. At what number does Joe get drafted? Do you start to wonder? Like at, at top five, I don't even think we're having a discussion. What's the number where you start to wonder? Could that kid show up? Twenties. Twenties. Okay. Yeah.
0: I know he's moved in at Ole Miss, but that's because it's July. That's a typical thing. That's what happens. He's moved in. It's July. Usually this is in June. The guy's going to be a top 10 pick. He's been mocked as early as number three. He's the top prep arm in the draft. Jackson Job is not going to be at Ole Miss. And guess what? I freely admit when I screw up constantly, I'm going to screw up. I mess things up all the time, but I also get some things right. So I'll say this, if Jackson Job ends up in Ole Miss's rotation next year, if he does, I'll go out there and I'll try to hit one of his very best breaking pitches and embarrass myself Ooh, you on think video. think we can
2: get that set up?
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I was going to do that last year with Gunnar Hoagland and COVID hit. I was going to go out there. I had some video content ideas I wanted to do, and one of them was trying to hit Gunnar Hoagland's slider, or just not even hit it. Make any kind of contact. Any kind of contact. And I'm I'm talking to Riley Allen. I'm talking to Riley Allen on Wednesday morning, and you're going to hear it in the interview just coming up in a second. Um, I was talking to Riley Allen, and another thing I'd set up was going out there and just going through the strength and conditioning program for a day with Riley Allen. Yes, I know. I know, just to see how long I would last, which would be like three, four, five minutes, let's be honest, and just falling out, and then that's the end of the video. Did Ben Ooh, die today?
2: You should you should go. I, I bet they'd let you do this. You should do the Omaha Challenge with the baseball team. Oh, my God. <laughs>
0: that's a great idea. That's a great idea. The Omaha Challenge. What can I do for football?
2: Oh, God. I, I mean, I guess just a summer workout or whatnot.
0: But... Well, one thing I thought about doing is – but I can't do it. I mean, I'd kill myself. So I played football in high school. I wasn't any good, but I played football in high school and I was like, okay, what if, you know, we did a board drill, right? Oh, and God. yeah, 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 yeah. Whoever I lined up against, let's just say it's. Eli Acker. Eli Acker. No, no, let's do even uh, Eli's awesome. But I'm saying like, let's do somebody like a defensive lineman. Okay. Okay. Let's pick right. out. Here's a great one. Katie Hill. Let's take Katie sure. Hill, the monster that he is, all right? Say, KD, I get a running start, all right? <laughs> <laughs> and we meet on the boards just to see if I can move him or if he just straight up flattens me, which we know what's going to happen. Yeah. He's going to truck me, and I'm going to die. So basically, <laughs> I'm asking to die. It's a death wish, anything I'm doing here. <laughs> you know, trying to hit a slider, I'm going to die. Well, oh, yeah, and-
2: th- so... We, we, we did this in our group meeting, I guess not too long ago. Uh, if you had 50 at bats against Gunnar Hoagland and he was actually trying, how many are you putting in play?
0: Oh, zero. Zero? Okay. Zero. And anybody that says, oh, well, you give me 50 at bats No, you wouldn't. You I, would I be flailing at everything. Off, You'd be flailing. Okay. So you're talking about just foul tips and stuff. Yeah.
2: No, I, I was asking to put in play. I'm saying I couldn't put one in play. I think I might could foul one off,
0: maybe. Look, I love you. I do. You're probably not even doing that. Yeah,
2: you're probably right. <laughs> you're probably right. Because
0: the the thing is, is for us, just the regular sure. populace, the minute that slider comes in, we're thinking, oh, man, that's meat. I can hit that. And then it just falls off the table and disappears. Well, and we think it's, it's like a magic trick. What the hell happened?
2: Well, your strategy has to be if you have 50 at bats and you need to put one in play, you're swinging 150 times.
0: Yeah, you're choking up and you're just yeah. reaching for Anything. Anything. <laughs> Football-wise, I couldn't catch a pass from Matt Corral. No, I, mean, no, come no. Oh, the I funniest couldn't score story.
2: on the Ole Miss defense in basketball.
0: No, no. Oh, God. I want to tell this last story. <laughs> I'm so sorry for being so long-winded today. I've been intense today. Again, being on this podcast right now is probably a bad idea, but it's been nice. It's been nice to talk through some stuff. Okay, so I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to embarrass him, even though he kind of deserves it. But there's this former Ole Miss SID that had an inflated sense of self. And he always would say things like disparaging things about particular players. Like, for example, basketball, Patrick Spock was just one of the guys at the end of the bench. And he said, oh, yeah, I mean, I could beat Patrick Spock one-on-one. Oh. He said, I could catch a pass from Jevin Snead. God rest his soul. So, and I love this, Kyle Campbell, still at Ole Miss, still leading the sports information department, sets it up. He sets it up. Patrick Spock. This is an old SID, like works in-house. Yes. Working in the athletics department. He sets it up. This guy, let's just call him Bob. Bob versus Patrick Spock. Patrick Spock beat him 21 to nothing. Oh, my. Then, Jevin Sneed, throwing darts. And Jevin Sneed, Kyle told me, I think it was Kyle, said that Jevin goes, do you really want me to throw as hard as I can? He said, yes, throw it as hard as you possibly can. So he did. Bob is running slants in every one of them. It's just, it was uh, the little giants, you know, like hitting right off the hands, right? Hot hands hanging. It's just, everything was dropped. Everything, everything.
2: This but, is the guy that said he could hit Drew Pomerantz too. I'm oh sure.
0: yeah. Yeah. And it's just so, so great when guys like that get humbled. It's like whenever anybody says, you know, Alabama, undefeated Alabama could beat the Jaguars. No, they wouldn't. No, they wouldn't. No, no the Jags would beat the crap out of them.
2: They Stop. wouldn't score.
0: Uh, they
2: no, would. but, like, yeah, it's, it's crazy. People don't understand, like, the difference level because 90% of the highest level people have played is, is high school sports. Yeah. Like, you don't understand the jump from high school sports to D1 sports right. most of the time. I think but it was Brian
0: Scalabrini. Somebody talked yes. crap. Yeah. And what's that story? Like, he went in, I think it was like a pickup game, and just ran everybody off the court.
2: Yeah, like some kid was like, I can score on you. You're the 12th man on the bench for the (laughs) Celtics or whatever. And he was like, bro. (laughs) And he showed up, and he worked his ass. It's like, I'm a top, like, I mean, think about it like this now. Um, He's a top 1,000 player of basketball in the world. Yeah. You know, or top 500, I guess. Uh, You know, your, your local Joe is not going to be able to do anything with that guy.
0: I love those Uncle Ricos, and they're all over the place. You know, <laughs> they're everywhere. All right, got to get to Riley Allen. Thanks for filling in, man. I appreciate it. All right, buddy. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister on Twitter at Spirit Ben. Bradley Sal will be back next week. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions on iTunes, and when you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say. As long as it's five stars, I write for the Old Miss Spirit. Olemspirit.com, affiliate 247 Sports. Going now to the Modern Women phone line to speak to Riley Allen, Old Miss basketball strength and conditioning coach. Before we do, let's hear from B&A Bank and Cheney's Pharmacy, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Oxford, Mississippi is always at its best in the spring and summer. The sun is shining, the square is popping, and you actually now get to go back to Ole Miss athletics events in person. What could be better? But the only way to truly enjoy everything that Oxford and Ole Miss has to offer is to make sure you're still taking care of yourself, keeping yourself safe, and that you have a pharmacy you know you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that, Cheney's Pharmacy. A locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years as red and blue as the rebels themselves Chinese pharmacy offers prescription synchronization immunizations compounding a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time Chinese also accepts all third-party insurance Chinese pharmacy provides the best customer service out there hands down it's not close so give Chinese a call 662-234-7221 Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at cheneyspharmacy.com. Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy.
3: The Modern Woodman phone line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in rebel sports. (laughs)
2: Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together.
0: This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at SpiritBet on Twitter. Going now to the Modern Woodman phone line to speak to my buddy, Ole Miss basketball strength and conditioning coach, Riley Allen. It's the busy time for you, man, because you got weight room stuff, everyday stuff, dealing with this basketball team, a new look basketball team, newcomers. How you been,
3: man? You busy? Yeah, oh yeah, busy, been good. Glad to get back to a normal, you know, covid free uh summer where we're not having to, to mask and all those things. Um, so it's been good to get back to a, uh, some semblance of, uh, of normal in the weight room and all that. So it's been good, a normal summer for a change.
0: How different was it trying to do what you usually do in last year's environment?
3: Um, it was uh, it was a challenge. Um, we embraced it, you know, just different things where we had to do, you know, space out in the weight room more, you know, maybe not being able to spot each other as much, getting away from, you know, kind of more hands-on things um, in the weight room. So, you know, from that aspect, we had to change some, but uh, those guys took it in stride and handled it well. And I feel like it made me better in the weight room learning to do some things a little differently when needed. So, you know, overall just trying to spin, spin a negative into a positive.
0: Yeah, that was gonna be my next question. What did you learn during that whole process that allowed you to grow or maybe to um, implement new things as things start to become normal again? Anything in particular?
3: Yeah, uh, you know, weight room flow, you know, setup, up, how to, you know, kind of speed things up with a tempo we try to keep in the weight room. Uh, we try to keep a, you know, very high tempo with that so as far as you know placement of different things organization of of exercises sets, reps things like that it definitely helped me improve because we had to use less last year so being able to maintain that tempo using more this year I would say was the biggest help so what did you learn from
0: last year's team and its performance that leads you into this summer I know it's a different team and a lot of different players but what did you take from last year that you're trying to put into the weight room this summer
3: I mean, I wouldn't say so just because, I mean, it's practicing from those things that was, you know, fairly normal, you know, obviously spacing out on the bench and, you know, having to do film on the floor and those sort of things. But as far as, you know, watching the guys and and learning things, you know, I wouldn't say any more than a normal year. You know, if anything, just getting to, you know, spend more time with those guys uh, just because of some of the protocols and things we had to, you know, use. I would say, you know, that might be the best, you know, the biggest thing that I learned from last year. But as far as watching practice, watching games, you know, nothing as far as that really changed.
0: So how's it been so far this summer? Give me just the first off before we get deep diving into it. Give me the general overview of how it's been so far. Yeah, it's been good. We're
3: in week five. So in the summer, basketball gets eight weeks of training. Um, So we get eight hours a week for eight weeks. Uh, That's a mouthful. Um, So we're in week five, just finished Wednesday. So we've already had two of our four lifts um, for the week. Um, So it's been very good. New guys are, you know, pretty much you know 98 99 percent caught up to speed in the weight room um so that's always you know a big part of june is getting you know not just the freshmen but also the newcomers who have done things differently at other schools getting them caught up to the way we do things here um so we're out of that phase and, and full full go um with those guys in the weight room
0: how do you get those guys how do you incorporate those new guys in and get them used to what you do
3: so, you know, a lot of people ask, you know, how do you get started in strength conditioning? And this is the biggest help is you have unpaid interns, volunteer interns who are coming from other schools, maybe from Ole Miss, uh, but coming from other schools, finishing their undergrad degree or finishing their graduate degree. Um, so you, you really use that, you know, they're, they're getting an education aspect of it, learning how to be a strength coach, le- learning what the day-to-day looks like, but having another set of eyes um, and another set of hands on the floor to take those new guys one on one, one on two, one on three, one on four, whatever you know the group provides, and having them having some individual attention without holding the returners back that know what's going on, that's the biggest help uh, in the summer In the fall and spring. Sometimes it's hard to find volunteer interns. That's actually how I started out with Coach Davis uh, back in 2012. I went out and interned under Jason Spray at Middle Tennessee State, and that's how I met Coach Davis, and that that's how I got my start. Um, so just using those volunteer unpaid interns in the summer, um, you know, to help teach those guys. And then on the back end, those volunteer interns, you know, earn recommendations and, you know, you call for them to help them get jobs and stuff when they earn it. So it's kind of, you know, it's a very symbiotic relationship, but that's that's how you get those new guys up to speed.
0: Is it okay to say, is it wrong to say that, you need good player leadership too because they really have to police themselves and push themselves because you can only push them so far. So in a summer workout, you need a guy like Jarkel, for example. This team, it feels like it's pretty obvious to lead guys Jarkel just in terms of attitude and what he's trying to bring out of the team um, in his final year. Do you have to have that, just a leadership in the locker room itself to push guys and the newcomers to see what the standard is? That's something you were
3: asked about the other day is, funny you bring that up, is, you know, the tempo we try to keep in the weight room, we use veterans to demo drills that, you know, with the first set instead of having to stop and teach, you know, so that's the big one Um, when guys think things are too heavy or times are too tough, you know, to make conditioning, et cetera, you know, having the vets you know, tell them, you know, I struggled there too, but now look at where I'm at and, you know, I didn't show up like this. I've earned it. Uh, So, you know, those conversations, and a lot of times they happen, like you said, in the locker room more so than the weight room or on the floor, Uh, but but you know, they're happening. And and, and that, that's a huge part with the return you're absolutely right.
0: All right, so what are the workouts? So if somebody showed up and they just watched you on a Monday or a Tuesday, Wednesday, whenever it was, what are the days like and what are you doing?
3: Yeah, so, again, we're going four days a week right now. It kind of changes based on, you know, class schedules from June to July changes. You know, coaches recruiting, um, you know, some Thursdays and Fridays or Friday, Saturdays, whatever it is, I'm not sure. So that will change the schedule some, uh, but we're going four days a week right now. The emphasis is on strength, power, and speed. Um, we are doing some conditioning, but they're getting a lot of conditioning on the floor with Coach Davis four hours a week. You know, it's basketball-specific conditioning. Um, so our conditioning is more um, fan bike. the assault bike driven. You know, if you see the guys, you can ask them about the bike. They just absolutely love it. Um, so we we'll use bike. We'll go to the pavilion. We'll do some ramp runs on that ramp that goes uh, down to the, the parking pit, kind of in between the football field and the, and the pavilion. Um, so we'll do a little long, longer distance, mile, mile and a half stuff outside. Not a ton. Um, but a lot of sprint work, repeated sprint, um, agility drills, you know, matching guys up and, you know, tracking wins and losses across eight reps, uh, making them compete from things like that. And then uh, one of our biggest speed things is we, we do laser time, three quarter court sprint like the NBA combine weekly. Um, and then the other one is it's old school playground races. We call it speed school. I've been tweeting some of that stuff out as we'll We'll pair them up based on their speed capabilities. Uh, between four to five guys a group. So you got three groups and it's old school playground, you know, first one through half court wins last one's the loser. Um, and just, you know, not a lot of thinking, just competing, running fast, you know, you want to get fast, run fast. There's obviously strength and, and technique and mechanics and things like that with it. But a lot of it is just, you know, tapping into that top end speed or top end acceleration more often. A lot of times, you know, that's the missing piece um, for speed work. So that's the main thing we're doing. Uh, we're total body every day in the weight room. You know, it's not a bodybuilder, upper, lower split, anything to that degree. It's total body every day. Um, So we're getting some type of conditioning and speed work, you know, daily. And then, of course, all four days we're getting some type of lift.
0: Every single strength and conditioning coach I've ever known has always had just one particular drill or – Um, sprint, whatever it might be, that they've kind of thrown their personality into? Is there any Riley Allen special? No matter what changes year to year as far as how you construct the workout, this is what I always incorporate because it's something that the kids enjoy. Yeah, what's your thing? What's your
3: thing? You know, that'd be interesting. I'd like to see what some of the guys would say on that, actually. Um, You know, there's a couple of things. Um, One thing that I do differently than most is I do a lot of uh, weight vest vertical training. Um, so we'll put 10% of their body weight in a weight vest and we'll do sets of somewhere between, you know, sets of two to three, but getting, you know, eight, nine, 10 total reps, um, in a day, uh, we'll use the Vertex jumping up and touching that like they do the NBA combine. Uh, we have some jump mats that you just literally jump off the mat, land back on it and gravity's constant. So however long you're off the mat, it gives you a reading on your vertical and they're actually really, really accurate. Um, so we'll do those would kind of be a staple. And then, uh, a hammer row machine, which is a plate loaded row. We do a lot of strip set stuff where it's as many reps as you can get with four plates. And then you pull a plate. So you're down to three, three plates, as many reps as you can get down to two plates. Um, That would probably be something that I do a little different um, than other people. So either the weighted, weighted best training, I would say is a Riley Allen, if you will. Um, And the other would be kind of strip set work specifically on the upper back. So for this
0: team in particular, do you like this group? Have they had the good work, the ethic that you want out of them? Um, compared to other teams? I mean, what does this group look like so far? I know you're still deep off into it and you got a lot more weeks to go, but how has this group been compared to other teams that you've worked with?
3: Like you said, we got a long way to go as far as seeing what, what the grind of you know late September, early October starts to look like. Um, they've been great. The camaraderie is, is there. The chemistry is there. The guys genuinely like each other. Um, probably more players, coaching players, specifically in the weight room. Um, that I've had you know in any of my stops I've been in my career um, so that, that's that been one of the biggest changes that, that I've seen as players coaching players which you know that's uh, I, I want that in the weight room uh, that you know they listen to each other as much if not more than me and it's good to hear it from another voice than just myself so that's been really encouraging to see um, guys have been on time showing up ready to work uh, kind of getting through that soreness phase those first two or three weeks especially guys who haven't lifted a ton I mean they're just I mean, sore. You can tell the way they run, practice, lift, walk, um, and a, a lot of living in the training room, which has been good. And not from injury standpoint, just from guys really trying to uh, stay ahead of their recovery and, and, and manage those things. I've seen more of that this summer um, than I've seen in the past, and so that's been good. The guys are, you know, getting in there and really trying to trying to take care of their body.
0: All right, I've screwed around long enough. So what I'm going to do first is go through the newcomers and you just break them down. I'll go one by one. Then we'll talk about the returning guys because everybody wants to talk about the newcomers. It's always about the new guys, right? It's the new car smell. So here we go. Jamin Brakefield, how's he been? What's he look like?
3: He's been great. Um, Jamin's come, come in, worked. Obviously, he's got a year of experience, um, weight training in college, which is always extremely beneficial instead of getting somebody who, who hasn't lifted in the past. Um, so that's been good. Jamin worked all May. He was in you know contact with me. Um, where he was training from and, you know, know he was you know, working. So he showed up in shape. So that's always, um, you know, sometimes a question mark with, with guys coming in is what kind of shape they're going to show up in. So Jamin has been good working hard, really, you know, trying to improve explosiveness and you know, strength, flexibility, you know, the gauntlet as everybody is this time of year. Um, but I've been very impressed with, with Jamin's coachability his want to get better. Um, you know, the way he listens, he looks you in the eye, he's listening to what you say. Um, so I, it's been a pleasure training Jamin these first five weeks. Nasir Brooks. So um, Nasir, you know, the Cincinnati before Miami. I know uh, professional friendship with Coach Rayfeld, who's the Cincinnati strength coach, and I know how great of a job he does. Um, So Nas, I mean, Nas is almost a, a second strength coach. Started with my intern, I guess, a third strength coach on the floor with his experience, very mature um, even though he is a grad student, very mature. I know you've seen all the, the cooking things that he likes to do on, you know, Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. So from a nutrition standpoint, you know, Knox understands what it takes, um, but just very technically sound, understands why we're doing things, um, helps explain that to the younger guys, you know, will correct guys on the floor with their technique and stuff. So it's been a, uh, never had anybody like Knox. I never had a player that, that could and would do that uh, to, to that degree. So it's uh, it's been refreshing. It's been, been fun to work with Knox. You know, he, he works hard, he understands what it takes, and uh, he understands how to do it and how to do it correctly.
0: We'll get right back to Riley Allen, Ole Miss basketball strength and conditioning coach, in this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Are you looking for a career change? Maybe COVID threw you for a loop. Maybe it's time that you did something else. Maybe you're just tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else. Well, our phone line sponsor, Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, is looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary. You do have to be a resident of Mississippi, but what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. Don't wait around anymore. It's time to make a change. So for more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas Chandler today directly through Facebook or his number at 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. Make the change. Thomas Chandler of Modern Women, the title sponsor of Talk of Champions. Yeah, I got to get with him and I got to get with you because y'all got to get me right on this nutrition stuff, man, because I'm a disaster. I'm trying, I just I don't know what the hell I'm doing, man. We've been through this before. I think we did this the last time we talked where you had to kind of give me a little bit of a workout, but now I gotta get the nutrition aspect right. So what's like the dummies version for the we're getting yep. off track here, but what's like the dummies version for somebody that's listening right now and they're like, Okay, I'd really like to hear what Riley Allen would say about nutrition. Okay. What would you say for somebody that's just look like, I'm trying to get in decent shape. What would you tell them first about nutrition?
3: Oh, you're trying to get me out of out of my wheelhouse. I'm a strength coach, not a nutritionist. I know, I know. Um, th- I, you know, a lot of times what I tell people, the first thing is, you know, are are you drinking calories, juice, soda, other things, um, you know, so try for two, three, four weeks, try to drink nothing but water. And a lot of times that'll jumpstart people more than they realize. They don't realize they're consuming seven, eight, 900 calories and, and whatever their drink of choice is. Um, so, you know, that's a lot of a lot of it from the jump. It's just, hey, drink nothing but water for the first month and then kind of, you know, reassess.
0: Okay, that's simple. Just drink water. You, you, I think it's a lot. I think people try to overcomplicate this stuff sometimes. As far as just you know, getting their body right, they just find, get so overwhelmed about it. You know what I mean? And you just, yep. You you know, have a very colorful plate and drink a lot of water. I'm getting off track. Okay, back to what we're supposed no, to talk about. That's a, that's that's good. That's good. There, colorful plate, and water go a long way. See, look, I'm not that dumb. I just don't listen to myself. Okay, back to what we're talking about. Ty Fagan.
3: Um, you know, Ty, obviously, you know, people remember him from playing at Georgia. Uh, Ty, they, you know, especially upper body, um, but overall, Ty's a very strong uh, individual, especially guard. Um, Ty is, you know, very personable, same deal, very similar to Jamin, wants to be coached, um, you know, listens to what he's told and understands why he wants to do it and will ask questions when needed. Um, so, I mean, Ty, Ty knows his way around a weight room. And when, when our fans see him for the first time, I, I think that'll be a pretty easy, uh, pretty even assumption.
0: Now, Deshaun Ruffin is the first high school All American, McDonald's All American signed um, for the program. And everybody's going to be paying attention to him, not only for that reason, but also because he's a local kid, an in state kid from Jackson. So, Deshaun, how's he been this summer?
3: Deshaun's been good. Uh, first weeks are a little rough on him. Um, Deshaun, you know, spent some time, sophomore and junior, I believe, training down in the D1 facility down in Jackson. So, he's had some experience in the weight room um, due to COVID. Uh, like a lot of these uh, high school athletes didn't have access to a lot. Um, so he's getting back in shape. He's put on about 12 pounds. Um, kind of like we talked about that soreness phase earlier, it's kind of getting out of that to where you're really, really able to see what, you know, how he can go and the things he is able to do. And he's buying in the weight room. You know, I've, I've actually had returning players come to me that, Hey, you know, they was rough that first week or so, cause he hadn't been doing it in a year or so, but he's really bought in cause he's, you know, he's seen his body change and, He's feeling different and all those things. So Deshaun's been great, very coachable. Um, you know, on time, all the things that you would, you know, like to see from a freshman. Uh, but, but his coachability and, and how quick he's bought in um on everything, not just the weight room, has been the best thing that I've noticed about Deshaun. Grant Slatten. So Grant's extremely strong for his age and size lower body. Really? Um, coming in out of high Because he didn't yeah, have that look. He didn't have that look to him really. Well, yeah, lower half, you know, he—he well, cares. You, can, lower half, he's strong. Um, upper body hasn't done a ton of bench press. You know, his high school, uh, you know, he said that they told him he wasn't gonna, you know, you don't bench on a basketball court or, or something to that degree, um, which is true. But you don't do anything in a weight room on a basketball court, so you could argue that for a lot of things. Um, so upper body strength is coming on for Grant, uh, getting adjusted to the, the physicality. He's, hes getting faster. His vert's going up. Um, so just upper body strength is the biggest thing that Grant's got to continue to work on, and um, it's already come a long way in five weeks. I've been impressed with him. Eric Vanderheyden. So, Eric, for his body weight, I mean, he's a very lean kid. Um, Eric's probably got the most weight room experience of a freshman basketball player I've had. Um, so, as far as, you know, teaching him and all that, uh, Eric's, you know, ahead of most freshmen. Um, upper body strength, more so than you think. Um, today on chin up, I think he pulled 65 pounds for a triple. Um, so, body weight plus 65 pounds for three reps. Um, so that just kind of gives you a glimpse into, you know, how far he's got to pull that at six eight, six, nine, um, and able to pull that much weight as a freshman, you know, shows that he, he's he got a pretty extensive weight training background. So Eric's been, you know, kind of thrown in the fire pretty quick and, and taking it all head on. All right, last newcomer, James White. Yep, James, um, it's kind of same deal as, as Desan. You know, some experience in high school, you can tell, maybe not as much as Eric has had, um, comes to work every day, uh, upper body, lower body, strength's getting better. Um, you know, he's just he's working and he's getting up, you know, getting up, getting here and and putting in his work. Uh, upper body strength is coming on. Um, probably that's the biggest thing for him that's been coming on lately. And just, I mean, he's he again, active listeners. I know I keep kind of going back to that, but that's just what we've got. A, a lot of the newcomers is you know look you in your eye, want wants to hear what you got to say, and he's going to do his best to to do it. If you're off coaching somebody else, he's going to come, you know, get your attention to watch his set. Um, so James is just continually to grow and get better
0: rather than go one by one with each of the returning guys who's really jumped out so far
3: this summer who's impressed you I would say probably Matt Murrell, Um, just the way his strength levels have increased from a freshman year you know people haven't really talked about it. Matt was the only freshman last year and that's underrated how tough that is mm. um, so seeing Matt kind of come out of shell in the weight room um you know helping coach guys and he's more confident he knows what's going on but just i'm not gonna throw numbers out there but we'll do an nba combine day we'll we'll release some of that stuff in the summer but his sprint speeds and his verticals and you know the athletic measures um that he's been putting up this summer i mean are are eye popping um so that's probably been the biggest you know if, if i had to pick one thing that stuck out it's just some of the numbers he's produced from an athletic standpoint this summer.
0: All right, you can't tease the numbers like that, Riley, without giving us something as far as just numbers in general. Any numbers that are really impressive
3: that the fans would love to hear right now? Yeah, see, it's—I don't know how impressive it's going to be because everybody knows forty times, right? Like you know, a four yeah. three is fast, but you start talking half court and three quarter court sprint speeds, people can't really relate um, just because they don't have as much experience with it. Um, but Matt Morell ran a two two four half court sprint laser, laser start, laser finish, um, and that's the I've been doing those sprints now with laser systems seven years or so, um, and that was the fastest time I've ever recorded. Um, is a two two four, so that that's kind of a glimpse in. Again, doesn't mean much to people, but for the seven years I've been using that type of technology, he threw the fastest time I've ever seen. And
0: what's the leadership been like, Just not just from Sammy, because I know he's a sophomore, second-year guy, but Jarrell and the obvious guys. Has the leadership come from particular places, or have you been impressed with that? You mentioned that this is a group that's really had good camaraderie, one of the better groups yeah. in that respect. Anybody in particular really stepped up and been the loudest voice in the room? The biggest
3: thing that I've noticed with that this summer is it's not just one guy, it's a group effort you know, a lot of times you've got a leader or two leaders. um, And again, I'm speaking weight room, not floor, not on the court, uh, but you got one or two guys who love the weight room. And sometimes it's not your best players. It's just maybe your biggest, strongest guy, um, or it may be, you know, your best player. It it can, it can vary, but it's been, you know, it's been a group effort. It's been, you know, if you know, a newcomer has kind of, you know, gotten closer with one of the older guys. Maybe that's the guy that's kind of lead them in the weight room, or if it's a, maybe a similar position, when we're doing position specific work in the weight room, they kind of take over, so it's been it's been a group effort. It's been everybody, um, and that's that's been the best thing to see. So now, from this point forward,
0: what can you expect? What can Ole Miss fans expect as far as what will be getting done and how y'all be preparing as August gets near, and then you're kind of getting closer and closer to being in season as far as
3: workouts. Yeah, so again, finishing the summer, it's you know strength, speed, power. That's our emphasis. Um, getting into first week of August, September. Um, we're still obviously going to try to get bigger, stronger, faster, but the conditioning starts to change and look a little different from, you know, not as much, you know, bike and slide board where it goes to more court stuff because we're getting ready for actual, um, you know, two, two and a half hour practices or whatever's on the schedule for that, you know, going in the first couple of weeks of practice. Um, so that that's my biggest thing in September is, you know, you're trying to get in shape for practice. You're not trying to get in shape for your first game uh, from a weight room perspective, you know, your last lift, maybe September 29th, 30th, somewhere in that range before your first official practice, um, you know, so you're not trying to be in the absolute best shape October 1. You're trying to be in the absolute best shape November 10th, right? Um, So just trying to get guys in shape for practice um, kind of shifts to be a greater emphasis in September versus July. Uh, But again, it's always, we're always chasing strength, power, um, you know, the most powerful athlete, if the skill set's the same, is always going to be better. So that's what we're chasing in the weight room, and the most powerful athlete we can produce. And the
0: obvious question is this, too. You know, it's been a couple of years now since the NCAA tournament. Last year's team fell, honest to God, it's no hyperbole. They fell one game short of making it to the NCAA tournament. And that had to do mostly with losing pretty much the entire non conference schedule. For a team that's trying to get back, it obviously starts here, right? Like, this is where that is established, that culture and just the work you're putting in. Do you see this team as a team that not necessarily like, okay, yeah, this is an NCAA tournament team, but as far as the work is concerned, are they doing the right things, taking the right steps to put themselves in a position to make, be a team that can make that kind of push?
3: Absolutely. The work that's put in, the effort that's put in, um, how much guys are getting in the gym on the, you know, by themselves with a, Uh, a manager, a graduate manager to help rebound um, for them, or if they're getting on the gun to shoot, um, you know, just the extra work that you see, you know, shows that guys have, you know, the NCAA tournament in the forefront of their mind, you know, competing for an SEC championship potentially in the forefront of their mind. Like that, those are the things they're focusing on. They're not focusing on last year per se. I think especially the returners, you can tell it's left a bad taste in their mouth, how close we were, but didn't make it. Um, So I think that's really kind of, you know, pushing them, uh, to do more, to make sure they're ready, to make sure they're you know they get as many shots up a week as they think they need to get up, things of that nature. I definitely see from those guys you know an uptick in work outside of you know the required eight hours. Things are doing on their own. So I absolutely think these, this team is doing what they need to be doing at this time of year to put us in position to do what we want to do come March.
0: Yeah, because I'm curious, are there indicators um, with particular teams? Like, have you ever seen or been working with a team where you're like, okay? we're kind of lacking there. That concerns me. And then with a team like this, maybe, that you're going, okay, check that, check that, check that. They're doing the things necessary. Are there indicators like that in the summer?
3: That's a tough one because a lot of times, you know, a lot of people these days like to put every extra hour of work they do on their social media. But then there's some guys that will do all that extra work and never post one thing. Um, So if it's late at night or early in the morning on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon, I'm not in the building or none of the coaches are in the building, you don't know about it. So that, that's a tough one to answer. You know, the biggest thing I would say that is an indicator for me is I kind of judge how guys interact. You know, is it two or three guys that are always hanging out together and then another two or three guys, you know, kind of clicked up or siloed off, if you will. And all. You, I always see all these guys together. Um, again, talking with the camaraderie and, you know, what we feel like the culture is, is getting better is, you know, everybody likes everybody. Everybody hangs out with everybody. It's not, you know, these two or three guys only hang out with themselves, by themselves. So that's been the biggest thing that I've seen, and I would call an indicator in the summer. Um, but, again, everybody in the country is doing their eight hours, and then how much work is getting done behind the scenes. And you don't always see that. So that's a tough one to answer.
0: All right, last one. I'll leave you with this. You graduated from Ole Miss. You've been back home now for four years, leading Ole Miss basketball strength and conditioning. For you, what's changed for you? How are you feeling? I mean, do you, do you feel – like you've grown, like all that kind of stuff. I don't want to get mushy here, but like, you know, what's it been like for you and, and how have you come along yourself and grown into this position and um, what kind of things have you learned over your four years so far?
3: Yeah. You know, I think, you know, on a personal level, you know, not only did I go to Ole Miss undergrad and grad, I went to Oxford middle school in Lafayette high school. So I'm a, you know, a local, not just an old Miss uh, grad. You know, I think personally, the biggest thing is, you know, I, I realize now, personally how great it was to get out and experience different cities and in you know, different schools and different regions of the country from, you know, Missouri, Illinois, New Mexico, I mean, just all over. Um, that's been the biggest thing. And then just how dang happy I am to be back and how much more you appreciate Oxford um, once you leave. I mean, that, that would be the biggest thing, you know, personally. And then, you know, professionally, it's just kind of, you know, you know, you sat in those undergrad classes and exercise science and such and wanted to be, you know, a strength conditioning coach and, to be, you know, back here at your alma mater and, um, you know, trying to get Ole Miss basketball to places that it hasn't been in the past. is just kind of sometimes i got to pinch myself. Like, is is this real? You know, you you talk to strength coaches and a lot of, you know, guys want one of three things or some combination, you know, they want to be most, not all, but want to be power five, want to be close to family or want to be at their alma mater. And I've got all three. Um, So, you know, it doesn't get much, much better than that. So, you know, just realizing those things and appreciating them, I think would be the biggest change from going into year one to now going into year four.
0: It's got to make you hungrier too, right? Cause y'all have tasted it, the NCAA tournament, but you being uniquely experienced with the Ole Miss experience with basketball and how the NCAA tournament hasn't been a regular thing. It's got to make you hungrier too, man, that you're like really pushing these dudes in the summer.
3: Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, that's, that's something that, you know, you, you want the town and the university and, you know, to really, you know, get behind and buy in and and enjoy the, you know, the postseason and and the whole deal. So that absolutely plays into it. I agree. All right.
0: Well, last thing. I don't know if you remember this. Before COVID shut everything down, I was planning to do a bunch of different videos. Like I was going to go out to baseball and try to hit Gunnar Hoagland's slider. I was going to go out to football. I, I had a lot of things planned. And you and I had floated the idea, or I had said something to you, about coming over there with a video camera and basically embarrassing myself and asking you, all right, Riley, how long do you think I'd last? Just being put through, a normal workout in the summer with the team. And let's just watch me embarrass myself. So now let's put it in I don't know, eight and a half minutes over under. How long would I last before I fell out?
3: Are we including warm-up in the eight and a <laughs> half minutes? Are we talking eight and a half minutes after? Because that's gonna that's gonna change my answer. Okay. How long does it usually last? Um we usually go for an hour. Oh, and I God. mean it's, Nobody sits down unless you're sitting down to you know bench press or something. It, it, it's an hour, warm, warm up included, and that speed, agility, and a lift. Um, so it's uh, again, I keep using the word tempo, but it is. We try to mimic the tempo in the weight room that goes on in practice. Do so, I get
0: to do any? Mod- and- do, I get to, do I get to do any modified versions of stuff, or do I have to do the full-on stuff?
3: Yeah, we no, we we can modify it, and it'll, it'll probably still be equally or more hard for you than them doing the regular movement. But yeah, we can modify stuff. I'm going to need a signed position letter and physical, though, before we even go down this road.
0: Oh, I still want to do it. I really do. I, I Nothing's more fun than than embarrassing myself. Like, no one takes I don't take myself seriously. No one takes me less seriously than me. So what I'm going to do is I'm yeah. going to come out there with a video camera, and you're just going to go, okay, Ben, you really want to do this? Yes, Riley, I really want to do this. And then maybe like three and a half minutes in, oh, God, I'm good. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. I'm done. I'm done. Well, like, just don't kill we, we, your we friend, right? It. Just don't kill your friend is all I'm saying.
3: Yeah. Well, we, we could get past eight and a half minutes, but we'd have to uh, we'd have to modify it. I think if you went through the regular lift, eight and a half might be a stretch.
0: Oh Well, at least you're honest. He's Riley Allen, Ole Miss basketball yeah. strength and conditioning coach. It's always fun talking to you, buddy. I appreciate you. We'll do it again. Thanks, Ben. Enjoyed
3: it.